So usually at this time of year, we're kind of, we're starting to get back into the swing of things. We're starting to get back to normal. Life is, is slowly getting back to normality. You, you may have had your holiday, you had your break, you, you ate copious amounts of food over Christmas, and now you're, you're getting back to work, you're getting back into a bit of a routine, uh, starting to prepare the kids for another year. And, and so we're starting to, to fall back into a routine, a rhythm of, of life. And for many of us, we find ourselves back in a, a similar place to how we maybe ended up um, at the end of last year. But I really get a sense, and I believe that it's a word that God wants to say to both the church and to us as individuals as we go into this new year ahead, that He doesn't want us to go into the same place the same way. He doesn't want us to go into the same place the same way, and I I hope I'm able to communicate this clearly today. You see, often we can go into a familiar place or a location, but it's the same us who turns up time and time again. But I think there's something powerful that can happen when we allow God to transform us from the inside out, where we suddenly go into the same place, but as a new me, as a new person. See, I believe that it's possible that when you go back into your workplace this year, when you start the new year at university or at school, that you enter into a familiar place, but with a new perspective, with new eyes to see and with a new outlook. That when you're around your friends, when you're around your family and your workmates, when you do your weekly grocery shopping, that you can, in fact, go to the same place that you went last year, but it can be a new person who enters into that place. See, more than that, I know that God is in the business of transforming us, but He transforms us so that we can be transformational to the culture, to the community, and to the society around us. I believe that God wants to change us so that instead of us being changed and adapted by the outside circumstances we face, that instead we start shaping the places that we go into by the power of God in our lives. And so I hope that this year that you would be willing to allow God to work both in you and to work through you, to allow Him to lead us and guide us, that we will be a part of what God wants to do here in Armadale. And so let me just pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us along this conversation and this journey. Lord God, we thank you so much for everything already today. We thank you for life. We thank you for hope. We thank you for the ability to reach out with love to others and and the generations below and above us. And Lord God, I thank you that you are ever-present. You're always here with us. And God, I ask that you'd open our ears to clearly hear what you want to say to us. God, I pray that as a church that we would be responsive to what you want to say, that we would realize that we're not just meant to go to places, but we're called to change them, Lord God, to bring your presence into those places. God, help us to understand our identity in you, who we are in you, and that it won't be the same us showing up, but it'd be a new us, a new me, stepping into those places, empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm not going to talk long, as I said. I just want to spend a bit of time um, talking about this reality of what God wants to do both in us and through us. I think it's very damaging to think that we have been saved, that we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, that God has rescued us all for the fact of simply attending a service and that he, He intends us to then just remain in our normal routine of our lives. I think that's a very limiting place to be. It's a very limiting mindset to have. Because regardless of your background, regardless of what your story to this point has looked like, 
regardless of in spite of if this is your first time in church or you've been here for years, or in spite of what the last 10 or 15 years have looked like, either good or negative, God has something valuable that he wants you to do. And that's an individual you. Now, I'm, not, I'm talking about the church, but I'm also talking individually. He has something that he wants you to do. God has something so valuable that he wants to do through you, but oftentimes he can't because it's the same us, it's the same me that turns up. And we can fall victim of this even when we attend church on a Sunday. Because when it's the same you coming through those doors, you worship the same way that you did before and you get what you always got. See, when you, if you, when you don't come expecting that God can do something in and through you, that, that God really wants to change and challenge you, that he wants to speak directly to you and your circumstance, that he wants to soften your heart, he wants to build your faith, he wants to enlarge you, he wants to equip you to do something, you can often come along, but you can miss the moments that God has provided because you can't see them because we're coming into the same place the same way that we always have. And we, sh- we shut ourselves off to the possibility of God doing something new through us. And so my question is, what are you expecting? What is your expectation when you walk into church? What is your expectation when you walk into your workplace? What do you expect? See, because when you come to the same place as the same you in the same way, you get the same stuff. And you can easily miss the value of the moment. You can miss the transformational opportunity. You can miss the significance of every single moment in God's presence. And you can miss the moment. And the danger is, is that when we leave this place called church where transformation can and should happen, and then we go back to our environments, our families, our workplaces the same way, well then in those places we also we miss the value of being there. We miss the transformational opportunity that can take place there. We miss the significance and we miss the moment. Imagine if we walked into our workplaces, into our homes, into the lecture halls and the classrooms, into the coffee shop. If we walked into those places with a sense that God was orchestrating something to take place that only you could do. Imagine if we had that perception and that, and that mindset that God is going to use me in this place. See, because how you approach a situation will often determine how you'll be challenged or changed by it. Let me say that again. How you approach a situation will often determine how you allow that to shape or change or challenge you. If you don't feel like you have anything of value to bring, then you won't do anything valuable. But if you feel like God is sending you there for a reason, for a purpose, it's saying, I've been placed in Armadale for a reason. It's saying, I have this job, not just for the paycheck that I get, but it's for a reason. I've been placed around these people. I live in this street, not by accident, not by coincidence, but because God has ordained my steps. God has orchestrated my path. All the days ordained for me were written before one of them came to pass. See, the challenge is, though, that for many of us, when we don't feel productive, when we feel stuck, our default is to try and escape the place. We try and run from it. Oh, I just need a new job. I just need better opportunities. I need to move away and, and have a fresh start. Um, I just need to, 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 um, I just need to have what somebody else has got. But the challenge is not to run away from the place that we have been placed, but to actually be, uh, come back to the same place, but come as a different me. If God has called me to be here, then this is where I want to be. 
But there's no point if it's just the same old me turning up doing the same old things. Because if we do that, then it's almost like we press pause on that part of our life. And some of us have pressed pause on our families. Some of us have pressed pause on relationships that we have. We've pressed pause on our effectiveness, on what God's wanting to do through us, because it's the same us showing up in the same place. I want to quickly read you a story from Acts chapter 3. From verse 1, it says this. It'll be on the screens if you want to follow. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going, from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then, when, then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. What's interesting about this story, and I think something that we can so often miss, is that this is where Peter and John and the disciples and, 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 and those devoted to God, this is where they went to pray every day. The temple was the place where they went. And it says that every day this man was brought out to the gates called Beautiful outside the temple. It's the same place. It's the same temple and it's the same temple gates. That means that for who knows how long, when Peter and John went to the temple to pray, this guy was seated there at the gate. And forever how long this had been taking place, they showed up at the same place in the same way. What if they were missing an opportunity because they were going to the same place the same way? What if, what if you keep coming across that person at the shops because it's a God-ordained connection for you to make? What if you work with that work colleague because God has sovereignly orchestrated for you to be the person to demonstrate the love of God to them? What if when you think of that person and that name pops into your mind and then suddenly the next day you see that person, what if there's more than just coincidence at work in that time? What if there is a heavenly setup taking place? What if there is a divine appointment that God is orchestrating for you to take hold of? That God wants to provide you an opportunity to grow in your love, to teach you how to reach out to others, to teach you how to be generous, to open your eyes to opportunities that he brings your way, to equip you how to lift up somebody when they're down, to get them back on their feet, to let them know that there's somebody there for them, that they're not alone, that somebody cares for them to provide an opportunity for you to invite them into the temple with you because there's many people sitting on the outside and we keep walking past them because we're going to the same place the same way. And yet they want to come in, but they don't feel 
good enough. They don't feel like they're worthy enough. They feel disqualified because of their past or their brokenness or their faults. And they feel that these things have barred them from ever being accepted to come in. But what if God is orchestrating a setup for you to bring them in? What happens in the story is that if we go back a few chapters, we see that Peter has this moment with Jesus. He says to Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'm with you to the end. That is my promise to you, Jesus. And Jesus tells him, Peter, let's just be real for a moment. Before the cock crows in, uh, by morning, you're going to deny me three times. Not, never going to happen, Lord. I'm, I'm committed. I'm, I'm with you the whole way. And we, we know how the events unfold. And Peter gets asked, aren't you one of the followers? And he says, no, I never met the guy. Don't even know who he is. And Jesus is arrested. He's beaten. He's nailed to the cross. He dies. His body's taken down off the cross and laid in a tomb. And three days later, he rises from the dead and he appears after the resurrection to numerous people. But one of the things that Jesus does is that he restores the relationship with Peter. And on a lake shore, Peter finds out that God loves him in spite of him. In spite of him, in spite of his mistakes, in spite of the, the things he's done wrong, wrong, God still loves him. And that God hasn't disqualified him from the calling because of those mistakes. And Jesus tells Peter and the disciples to wait in Jerusalem and to stay until the Holy Spirit comes, who's going to empower them to be his witness. And so the chapter before Peter and John have this conversation, this interaction with this crippled beggar. We see that they're praying together in the room and the Holy Spirit comes upon them like tongues of fire and the presence of God fills them and they spill out of that room and they're speaking different languages and people are just astonished and astounded by what's taking place with these people. It then says that Peter preaches his first message and the Bible says that 3,000 people give their hearts to the Lord. And this is then the moment that we pick up the story where Peter and John are now making their way to the temple to pray, as they always did at three o'clock, the time of prayer. But this time, this time there was something different. This time he went to the same place, but it was a different person. It was a new me. See, the old Peter, the, before he had this revelation of how much God loved him, before he had the mandate that God wanted to use him to reach out and love others, before he had an understanding that God could perform miracles, signs, and wonders, that even death couldn't hold him, before all of that stuff, before the revelation that God wanted to use him as an example to others, before all of that, the old Peter would have just gone back to the same place doing the same thing. But this was a different Peter. This was the new me. This, this was a, a Peter who had a revelation that it wasn't just about him anymore. The moment that he found out how much God loved him, how much God wanted to use him, suddenly he goes to the same place but as a new person. Could it be that God wants that to happen to you this year? where we gather to be reminded about how much God loves us, how much He has empowered us, and we come with an expectation to have our lives changed, our faith stretched, our, our hearts softened, and our vision renews, renewed, but then we go from here with a new perspective, with new eyes to see that, we would, that it would change the way that we see people, that it would change the way that we see situations that we find ourselves in. That we don't go into our daily lives to be shaped by the culture around us, but we become the culture shapers. 
So what does this new me look like? What, what is this new perspective that, that Peter had that, that changed the way he looked at situations? What is different to this new me that has experienced the love of God, but also the, understands God's divine purpose? The first thing is this, is that the new me sees what God can do through me, not just for me. The new me can see what God can do through me, not just what he can do for me. See, Peter, before the experience on the lakeshore with Jesus, so often we read it, and and it's really interesting if you look at the the whole story before that moment of, of Peter's interaction with Jesus and with others, so often he was so concerned about what God could do for him. A prime example of this is Matthew 14. The disciples are on a boat. You know the story. They're battling against the wind and the waves. And suddenly, just before dawn, this figure, this person walks on the water towards them. And they think it's a ghost and they're terrified. And Peter says this, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come out on the water to you. And we're like, wow, what great faith. That's amazing. And all that kind of stuff. But if you read it the other way, you kind of go, wow. He's kind of saying, see you later, guys. If that's God, I'm going with him. I'm I'm." Punch you my ticket. I'll see you later. You can stay on the boat. I'm with God. Goodbye. And so often we read the stuff about Peter and he's, he, everything is about God. I, I want you to do this for me. I need this. I need you to do this for me. And it's very little about the people around him. And we can get stuck in this place of being so caught up with trying to get what God can do for us. God, I need your help. I need you to help me. I need you to restore my relationships. I, I need you to help me with my finances. God, I need your peace. And God can answer those prayers, and he does those things for us. Don't get me wrong. But a new me doesn't just see what God can do for me, but it now sees what God can do through me. See, after being restored by Jesus, not only did Peter know and see what God could do for him, but his eyes were open now to what God could actually do through him. That he could actually be an instrument of God's grace, of God's love, of God's power to reach out to other people. We don't know for certain, but it says that each day that 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 lame beggar was brought to the same place, And so the chances are extremely high that this wasn't the first time that Peter had seen this man. And he could have said, sorry, buddy, because he didn't have any gold. He didn't lie, I don't think. I hope not. (laughs) It's not a good thing to do. But the the guy's asking for money, and and seeing as he didn't have any money, he could have easily said, sorry, I don't have what you want. I don't have the thing that you're asking for, and just carried on. A few weeks ago, I spoke about this incredible scene where Jesus speaks to the Samaritan woman at the well and, and, and recognized that Peter would have been a first-hand witness to this woman who was drinking from a cup that was constantly running dry. And now here is Peter, and he sees this man, and what is he doing? He's begging with a cup that's always going to run dry, asking for gold and, and silver. And yeah, you can put a couple of coins in there, but it's going to run dry again. It won't last forever. And right now, there are people in our lives that are begging from a cup that is constantly going to be run dry. And we're walking right past them because sometimes we get so stuck looking at what God can do for us that we miss what God can do through us to meet their need and to fill their cup. It's a bit of a heavy message. I know, I'm sorry. It's a little bit quiet. But this is some serious stuff for us to consider. 
It's, it's, it's important for us to consider because it means that there's some responsibility for us to take on. It means that it's not all up to Pastor Beck and Pastor Mike to do it. Yay! It means that, it means that just praying about it may not be the extent of what God wants you to do. That he actually wants you to get involved. This means that God wants to use you and me as instruments of his love and extensions of his grace. And when our eyes are open to see that there are people who are broken, who are seated low, when God's desire is for them to be whole and standing, and he wants us to stretch out our hand, we can't go back to the same places the same way anymore. And it starts a shift, and it starts with a shift in our focus from what God can do for us to what God can do through us. What does God want to do through you this year? Musicians, please come. We're going to start wrapping this up. See, it's the difference between pointing a finger and extending a hand. Two very different things. One pointing a finger, the other extending a hand. Peter didn't point the finger. Peter didn't say, oh, if you want money, go over to that guy. He's loaded. He didn't say, oh, go over there, or hey, it's all your fault, or hey, it's because of your sins and all that kind of stuff. He didn't point a finger at all. And God doesn't ask us to point a finger either. We're not called to judge. We're not called to point the finger. But we're asked to extend a hand. Extending a hand that says, silver and gold I don't have. I don't, I don't have much. I'm, I'm not really qualified. I'm not really equipped. I'm not really um, able to give those things that you're asking for but what I can do is give out my hand and what I can do is give what has been given to me and grace has been given to me love has been given to me acceptance has been given to me forgiveness has been given to me mercy has been shown to me so take my hand and let me give what I have been given can you walk can you walk into your situations this year with this perspective that God is going to use me. He's going to use me in my workplace. He's going to use me in my family. That God's going to open a door for me to help somebody today. That God's going to encourage somebody through me today. That I'm not qualified, but I can reach out a hand. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. See, the reason that this man was brought and, and seated outside of the temple was because with a physical ailment like this man had, it was viewed in those days as having a connection with a sin issue. That this man was, was deemed as being unclean. That because of his physical condition, because of that, he wasn't actually allowed to be in the temple. And so they put him just on the outside. So those people who were the good people, those who, who did good things and went to, to pray in the temple, that they would be able to pass him by there. He was never able to go in there with them. But he could beg on the outside. And there are people seated outside of these walls who feel the same way. Because there are some things in their lives that have made them feel or they've been told that they're unworthy to be found inside of the walls. And Peter had a perspective shift. 
How can I walk past and go into the temple? How can I worship God? How can I thank Him for all that He's done? How can I give Him praise for everything that has happened in my life and forget that He has a plan to do something through me? How can I walk past and not stretch out a hand? And God is looking for a people who will say, even though you're not in the church, I am the church. Even though you're not found in the building, I'm bringing the power of God with me to where you are at. Because I've had a change in perspective and it's not only about what God can do for me, it's about what God can do through me. So take my Don't walk past. Don't walk past thinking that going into the building is the good deed that you can do. Stretch out a hand. God wants to do something through you this year. God wants to do something through this church this year. I'm already so excited. We are hearing testimonies. I've heard testimonies of healing. I've heard testimonies of provision. I've heard testimonies already in two weeks of this year of God stirring things up. He's moving. He's doing things. But it's not all about what He can do for us. It's about what He can do through us. What can God do through us? I'm not qualified. uh, I'm not gifted that way. I, I don't have the faith to, to reach out my hand and pray for somebody's healing. I'm, I'm not that naturally type of that person. I'm, I'm not a preacher, Mike. I'm not a preacher at all. I don't, don't get me to preach or anything like that. That's totally fine. Can I say Peter wasn't preaching at that moment in time? But the best message you'll ever be able to preach is the one that you live. The best message the most influential, the most impactful message you'll ever preach is the one that you live, is the way that you live, is the hands that you reach out to others, is the love that you extend, is being that vessel for God to pour into you, but then pour out through you. When you show up at work this year, when you show up at school and at university, when you gather together with your family, when you get together with your friends, when you sit down at your favorite coffee shop, when you do your grocery shopping, when you go to the checkout aisle at Coles, maybe, just maybe, it's not about what God can do for you. It's about what God can do through you. 